And welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Hello, Fascination. Welcome to the show. So even though technically Halloween is a thing of the past, we're going to do a little epilogue this week. I am going to talk to Heather Moulton, who writes, along with Susan Tatterson, writes a series of books called Graveyards of the Wild West. And specifically, we're going to talk about the ones in California, some of the ones that may be forgotten off the beaten path. And in these books, there's lots of great pictures and stories of these old mining towns here in the center of the gold rush, California. And I, I, you know, I love it. I love cemeteries, so I can't wait to talk about this. So Heather, thank you so much for being on the show today. Now you are Heather Moulton. Now, is there any relation to Linda Moulton Howe, who I've had on the show, who is, you know, was the the key person. You said you're listening to some old episodes. I don't know if you got to her yet, but, you know, she uncovered all of the um, cattle mutilation stuff in the 70s. She's very into extraterrestrial. She is one of the most brilliant journalistic minds investigating that paranormal stuff. Uh, so any relation or just a happy coincidence? It's, it's a happy coincidence other than, I mean, other than the fact that if we go back far enough, we're all related in some way. And so chances are, mm-hmm. because Moulton is not a super common name, chances are yeah. that, yes, somewhere way back there, yeah. we're probably related. But no, I've, I've no, no direct relation. Okay. All right. Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I mean we, you know, if by that logic, yeah, every earthworm that we come across is some distant, you know, cousin as well. So yes. I guess that's true. We are all, and all spiritually, we all share the same world. Yes. So, uh, so in that very um, distant respect, you have a, a, a relation to her. Yeah. Uh, and also in a strange way, you know, you have a distant relation to every single person that you cover in these graveyards books that you write. I mean, uh, this is, you know, I, I, this is kind of in some weird ways an epilogue to the Halloween episodes we've been doing, uh, which is which is a lot of fun because. I really enjoy this stuff. So let's just get your bona fides out of the way first so that we can get into the meat of this. So you are currently a professor, I believe, of English and literature at Central Arizona College. You've been writing books. Uh, You're clearly, you know, into literature. So uh, but graveyards, you know, this is this is kind of a strange place to focus your energy, although one that I think is is great. So how did this kind of come about? Because you don't do this alone. You do this with a partner, Susan Tatterson, who writes books on abandoned places. You guys kind of hooked up and now you you write together on these books. Uh, so tell me a little bit about how this you know collaboration came to be. Okay, sure, sure. Uh, so Sue Tatterson actually works at the same college that I do. We work together, that's how we met. And we'd gone to lunch with friends one day and she was talking about how she loves to go to abandoned buildings and go to these remote places. And you know, I was like, oh, I, I'd love to do that. And she always went by herself. And I didn't have anybody to, to go to these places with. And so I just said, can I come with you? I'll carry your camera gear. Cause she's a photographer. She does, she writes and photographs all of the abandoned books. And then for our yeah. graveyards books, I write them. She does the photography, which Got as I'm okay. sure you've seen is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, 
And I was like, I'll, I'll carry your, your, I'll carry your camera gear. Just take me with you. I want to see all of these places. And, and they were mostly around Arizona and mm -hmm. we just, we just started going and she liked that I was carrying her camera gear. And, um, did you really carry her camera I really gear? Did. did you really say that? Did you get her I coffee really and get lunch? Did you do like that whole like yeah. production assistant thing or like how did, is that how it went? Yeah, I it's like was, an well, internship. <laughs> it was kind of yeah, it kind of was an internship. And I really, yeah. honestly, have learned a lot about photography because of uh -huh. her. Because if you follow a photographer around, even with my little phone, and you take the same, you stand behind them and take the same pictures, like you yeah. come out with some really, really good pictures. So it was kind of it was kind of an internship that turned into a very, very close friendship. And now we've been friends for seven years and have gone uh -huh. many, many adventures. But it all started with a conversation over lunch, like, please take me with you. And then she was also happy to have the company. So I think it worked sure. out really well. Photography is kind of one of those things where it is about the eye. And yeah. even if you're standing behind someone, it's those angles, right? I mean, so two people looking at the same thing can view it very differently. And both pictures can actually be equally good and reveal different things about it, which is what's so cool about graveyards, because you are capturing an essence that's not there, and you got to yeah. you got to find those magical moments. So yeah. uh, that that's a lot of fun. I imagine that that's quite a learning curve. It is, it is, and and yeah, as far as comparisons and who's getting the better photos, obviously, <laughs> it's Sue because I'm on my phone and she's got you know professional sure. camera equipment, and sure. and and yes, the way she gets that essence because when we when we started talking about doing graveyards books, which came about just <laughs> <laughs> because I'm crazy. Sure, sure, sure. Aren't we all? <laughs> um, she's like, what am I going to do? Right? She's used to picture, you know, taking pictures of abandoned buildings, and, and she does landscape photography. I mean, she just does all these huge, huge things. And mm -hmm. she's like, what am I going to do in graveyards? Don't they all kind of look the same, right? And yeah, But then right. when we got there, you know, she's laying on the ground, and she's, like, waiting for the light to be just right. And, okay, it's a cloudy day. Let's go now. And so just the things that she does that I would have never, ever thought of, uh, yeah. it, it's really fantastic. So professional photographers really have it. <laughs> so you and I are very different. See, I take full credit for being the better photographer, despite the fact that I'm probably not. But that's... Uh, <laughs> You and I have very, very different personalities. Although the thing we do have in common is this love of cemeteries. So, so you're the one who chose this? Is that what, uh, I mean, is it your sick fascination, fascination with the dead? Or are you trying to, um, what, are you, what are you doing here? What is this, what is this, what itch is this scratching? I think, yeah, you know what, I think there are, there are a lot of things. But yes, it was, it was my idea to start taking pictures of cemeteries, but it was Sue's, Sue had already been published. So she's the one, right. the reason they're published is because of her. But we would go to all of these abandoned places around Arizona, and I'd be like, oh, there's a cemetery here. Can we go to the cemetery? And she's like, mm -hmm. all right, whatever. And after about the fifth time, I said, can we please go look at the old cemetery? She's like, "Yeah, I'm going to contact my publisher and see if we can actually do some books, because I keep taking these pictures for you. Let's right. see. And, they, and the publisher actually said yes, which mm. I wouldn't have. I, she pitched it. She's like, we want to do Graveyards of the Wild West. There'll be seven yeah. books. Here's the deal. Boom. And then they came back and said, yeah, this seems great. Oh, okay. I mean, boom, that's easy, right? Easy, yeah. GG, easy. Yeah. And it's one of those uh, things where it's who you know, right? Mm -hmm. Like she just, yep. she already had the publishing deal with this company. And so 
it was yeah. really easier than mo- for most people. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, I mean, and that's, you know, hey, look, we all got to ride a coattail here and there to get ahead, exactly. right? You know, yes. it's, uh, there's no there's no shame in that. Um, but you, so you guys do, you know, so you do these books, but you also have a website called the Pirate and Aussie.com. Pirate. <laughs> uh, it's adventures you guys go on. You know, there's several other, you know, you're all over social media. So a lot, I got a lot of questions here. Okay. Um, but the first of all is I'm guessing she's the Aussie cause she's from Australia. Truly, so that's, yes. uh, so I, I, I figured that out on my own, by the way. You, you notice I don't have an accent. Is that I, the, <laughs> right, or the yes. Roger behind me? <laughs> exactly. I mean, look, it, it, not everyone can put these things together so quickly, but I happen to be one of those gifted individuals. I'm uh, number two. So you're the pirate then. I'm the pirate. Now, how did you get this name? I mean, are again, are, do you have a fascination with raping and pillaging the <laughs> landscape? Um, do you rob people while on a boat? Um, do you just have a pet parrot? What's what's going on here? I really wish I had a pet parrot. That that would be amazing. Um, mm-hmm. So the the when I tell people that yes, I'm a pirate and I love pirates, I always qualify that with I love Disney pirates, right? That those are the pirates that I can get behind because yes, the actual raping, pillaging plundering all of those things not not great <laughs> have you been on pirates of the caribbean because they do that they, <laughs> they if you look at them they're actually doing a lot of that stuff it's well, just they, they've got they've smiles changed, on their face right yes and they have changed it quite a bit from the original ride to be a little bit more yeah. a little bit less oh, horrible i suppose but sure. um but <laughs> And unless uh, it's not as factual as well, by the way, Disney true. does a lot of uh, fantasy washing. I just made that term up uh, because like these, it. you know, they're talking about horrible things. You know, pirates, these aren't good people. No. You know, they're burning, sacking villages and everything. But uh, but they make it lovable. And Jack Sparrow's a goofy kind of quirky guy. Yeah. Disney's got to sell that. But so what yes. are you? So you like the Disney version. You like fantasy washing your stuff. I, I do. I am. I'm actually fa- fascinated by pirates just in general. And I read books. I just got back from St. Augustine and went to the pirate museum. And so I really do enjoy the factual stuff, even though it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, it's terrible, but it's no more or less terrible than how humans have always been and and continue to be. Um, So I do find it fascinating. I'm especially interested in in women who are pirates who don't get Mm -hmm. a lot of the credit for that. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it, it, it was a fascinating lifestyle. It is in the sense that for both the men and women, it was a, a way that they could experience freedom, right? At a time where if you were born in the lower classes, you had no freedom. You were your feudal or indentured servants or just living mm-hmm. in horrible conditions. And so you right. found this freedom out on the sea. And yes, with it came kind of horrible other things, but sure. I am fascinated yeah, by not, all that. Let's not jump past, let's not yada yada, all that stuff. I mean, these yeah. guys were basically the highway robbers of mm-hmm. this, the ocean, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, that's kind of, but that's going on. Pirates, it just, they moved to the land, you know, because um, now yeah. people just rob other things and now there's okay. more organized ways to do it. So it's always yeah. existed. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, I'm fascinated with. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm less fascinated with the um, the PC. Like we have to make sure women are represented. I'm more interested in these are highly aggressive, dangerous roles. Women involved in those. You don't typically see women as pirates or serial killers, or mm-hmm. you know. That's what fascinates me is when you've got these people on the fringes and the extremes. How do they? Like, how does that happen? Like, how? Why would there be a female pirate? That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, for Mary Reed and Anne Bonny, who are the most mm. popular uh, and well-known female pirates, mm. they, they dressed as boys 
is how they did it. Right. Is, is yeah, they yeah, dressed yeah. as boys. And then eventually, of course, they were found out, just like every story ever about a woman dressing like a, a man. They're eventually found out. I'm thinking like Mulan, et cetera. Um, they were eventually found out, but but they had already earned their place, right? They had mm-hmm. they did so well in that role that they 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 what are you going to do, right? Okay, well you've been on the ship this whole time. What are we going to do now? <laughs> and does so they, they, I think they earned does it. Does it become dangerous for them though? Like once you once you're found out on like a ship full of pirates out at sea for months, yeah, things get dicey, mm-hmm. right? I mean, look what happens in prisons. You right. know, I don't have to. I don't have to paint the. You know what I'm saying here. Yes. I imagine a woman's. Um, you know, her modesty would be in jeopardy on a pirate ship once she's been found out. Uh, most likely, which I think again probably speaks to how tough Anne Bonny and Mary Reed were. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. think it was Anne Bonny though who did actually marry somebody, another pirate on the ship that she was on. Um, and Smart both- move. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and both of them escaped hanging because when once they were caught because of course they were caught once they were caught they both escaped being hanged with their other pirates um with their crews because they were both pregnant right so oh so that there were i guess benefits in in some sense oh you think like come on let's be real (laughs) yes of course (laughs) at that particular time you know things are different very different now but of course uh yeah i mean you know they have that advantage. And, yeah. you know, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with the smarts, you know, because that's a real way to work the system, whether, you know, whether you did it on purpose or not. Uh, very impressed with that story. Um, yeah. uh, but they all did end up dead and in your graveyards as uh, yes. I make an awkward transition back to, to no, graveyards. No, great transition. <laughs> I so, so how did you, so did you self-apply the name The Pirate? Because that shouldn't be allowed if that's the case. It, no, I did not. I did not do that. Um, okay. <laughs> it came about because on my 40th birthday, which obviously mm. was like yesterday. Um, mm. <laughs> hours ago. It was hours ago. Um, I had a pirate-themed party, a pirate-themed birthday party. And it just, from then on, it just sort of stuck because we were all, you know, we all were in costume and, right? And so it just sort of stuck as, as I liked dressing like a pirate. Um, mm. But no, the name actually came about, it's probably been a, about a year now, um, mm. from a colleague at, at CAC, at Central Arizona College, who mm. is friends with both me and Sue. And she's mm. like, oh, look, it's the pirate and the Aussie. And she'd been at that party and, and she, you know, she's aware of my love of piracy, <laughs> nice piracy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so she said it. And Sue and I looked at each other and went, oh, my gosh, TM. the pirate and Aussie. Mm. And then it, it really became... Like I'm, I keep telling Sue, I'm like, we need to trademark this before someone steals it. I don't know who would steal it, but um, it became a brand. You would steal it. Okay. <laughs> well, now, now that I know it's unprotected. Hey, if you're going to be a pirate, I'm going to come along and steal it. Why can't I enjoy the same benefits of piracy uh, as you do? Yeah, right. Totally reasonable. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, you know, what's interesting. I was listening to a podcast about trademarks and copyright, and you've been using it long enough where you do have. Uh, a, a quasi creative ownership over it. Oh, cool. So registering it does protect it, but you do have some, you know. Uh, and, and do you give a couple of cents on every click to your friend who dubbed you guys that, or do you just cut her out of the, the we cut her, business I mean, equation? I'm a pirate. Aussies, you know, if you know anything about Aussies, right, the largest <laughs> criminal colony in the world, 
they're all descendants right. of that. They're practically pirates. So no, we should right. totally cut her out. <laughs> all right, good move. Good. Move. If you didn't, I would be very ashamed of you. Uh, so, so, so you guys work together. Now you got these these um, these great road trips. You know, yeah. where you go around and you investigate in abandoned places and um, graveyards. And this is interesting because I always find. At graveyards, the markers are so interesting, you know, because you can old wooden ones from the Wild West that are all mm-hmm. faded or marble, stone. Uh, there's handmade ones uh, that are very specific. There's military headstones. Mm-hmm. There's mausoleums. There's sometimes there's fences. You know, in some places, everything's above ground. You know, mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of variation. And I've seen some really cool ones. Like I've been to, to Ireland and I saw some of the old, you know, Really old school Gaelic, yes. you know, funerals and in, uh, in cemeteries, and then I went to Deadwood recently, <gasps> which uh, I have, uh, you know, I've got a pretty interesting story about that. But so before I get into that, what are your favorite types uh, of cemeteries? I'm sure you've seen them all. I've seen yes. Um, so. I think the reason that we started with the the graveyards of the Wild West is because those old timey Wild West graveyards are well. Never mind the fact they're everywhere out here. Yeah, right. <laughs> just a drive. They're just a drive away. Um, yeah. And and I think maybe part of it came from you know growing up. My mom always loved the old westerns, and so I've always had I guess an affinity for westerns. And so to go yeah. and actually see you know see the OK Corral and then go to the tombstone Boo Hill. Like, that's amazing to have grown up watching Young Guns and then go to Fort Sumner, New Mexico and see Billy the Kid's alleged grave unless he's alive, you know. Right, Uh, right. So just to see those and then to see all the connections. So basically everywhere in the Southwest, there are these connections to either the Earps or Billy the Kid. Like everybody's Mm -hmm. trying to claim them. (laughs) And so so it's cool to go to different cemeteries and, and just. Yeah. Make those make those connections. So I guess yeah. I love I call them old timey, the old timey, yeah. the Wild West, the yeah, the, the boot hill style, mm-hmm. really, which Tombstone captures so nicely. Those are those yeah. are my favorites. Have you been to Tombstone? Yes, many times. <laughs> well, so here I'm going to tell you my story and I'm going to see how it differs from yours, because okay. I could not have been more excited to go to Tombstone. It was the crown jewel on my okay. birthday trip this year as I went to visit my mom and down to Tombstone. Uh, so I go into town. And I meet the guy who who is in charge of the visitor center. Great guy, really cool guy. Um, shows you know, gives me a map, all this stuff. So I I'm very protective of my skin. I live in LA. I happen to be a very vain person. So I wear um, a UV sunscreen that like it's a cloth that covers like from your nose down. And I had sunglasses on and a hat. Right. Mm-hmm. So I look like an absolute lunatic. Uh, so I'm going there and I, I go across the street. So there's um, like one of their old theaters. They got a lot of old saloons and old theaters. Yeah. And I go across. And as I'm walking across the street, I hear someone whisper. Oh, yeah, I thought COVID was over three years ago. All right. And starts like talking, you know, ish about me while I'm yeah. walking up to him. Yeah. And so I confront him about this. And <laughs> it didn't, and he quickly backpedals like, oh, no, 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 I was just talking about. And I was like, yeah, 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 right. What I found in Dead Deadwood is Tombstone. there was. Tombstone, I'm sorry. Tombstone. Maybe Deadwood I've been too, to, no, no, no. Deadwood. I love Deadwood. I had a great time at Deadwood. But in Tombstone, what I realized, and I don't want to drag Tombstone, but because I was really excited about it. But what I learned is that in a lot of these old towns, they have there. This is a tourist based town. 
And they should not be inflicting their political views on other people, especially when they're completely, they're not founded in any kind of fact. And even if it was, what's the big deal? That was my, not, not to grind an axe here on my show, but that was my experience in Tombstone. I could not have been more disappointed. Uh, so, and I, so I went back to the, this is, I'm coming to a point here. I'm not just ranting for no reason. So I go back to the visitor center and I complain to the guy and he's like, that's unacceptable here. I'm going to give you a, I own the boot hill cemetery. I'm going to give you a free pass to the boot hill. Tell them your name. Here's the mayor who looks like White Earp. Give him a call. Uh, I actually have his card right here. As a matter of fact, (laughs) so, so I'm going to call, I'm going to call, uh, tombstone and let them know about this. But what this led me to was a free trip to the Boot Hill Cemetery. And what I found there was a really cool, it it was an amazing cemetery. It looked completely redone. And what I learned was that this cemetery was actually completely decrepit. This town, Tombstone, was untouched for like 60 years. And then people came back in. Oh, I couldn't go to the OK Corral either because I had a dog. So I did not see the OK Corral. I get harassed at one of the saloons, but I do get to see the Boot Hill Cemetery. Anyway, it was completely redone. I don't know that these graves are the right places and it looked great. Here's my question to you after all this. Okay. When you go, because the places you go to feel very authentic. And that's what I love about your pictures and your book. I liked the Tombstone Cemetery but it seemed very much like this is what we want a cemetery to look like. It's very, uh, like, there's a lot of theater. What are your favorites? Would you prefer to go to a decrepit one that's original, or would you like to see one that looks like how it would have looked back then? That, that's, that's a great question. I am sorry about the, your tombstone experience. I have not had that experience. It's okay. I want the uh, world to know the tombstone's not all know. it's cracked up to be. Yeah. <laughs> they should know. Um, that's how um, petty I am, by the way. That's how no, petty. I've wasted five minutes talking about that. That's me. That's, no, that's me. Okay. You got to get it out. You got to get it out. I totally gotcha. understand. Um, I, I honestly, I think, I think it, 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 I'm going to just cheat and say I like both. It just depends on. Whoa. I know. Pick a I side. know. It's so cheating. Um, I really, I really do like Tombstone because of the, the theatrics. And, and yeah, some of the tombs in there are just made up, like Lester Moore. That's 100% yeah. made up. That's not real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the Clantons, right, the Clantons, where the Clans are buried, who were the, the Earps were fighting, right, the Clanton gang, that, those are real, right? And so it is, it is nice to see them. Now, whether they're in the exact same spots. There you go. Hard to say. <laughs> um, they were buried I, there. They are buried there. Yes, they are buried there. But if, if that's their exact location, I'm um, not sure. So the, the benefits, though, of, of going to a cemetery that has been maintained and mm-hmm. even fixed up, the benefit mm-hmm. of that is being able to read the names, right? Because if you go to one where it's so decrepit that, right. I mean, there's nothing there. Like, how am I supposed to find who these people are and tell their stories if I can't even read the name on there? Um that being said, there are some that are kind of in between. Um, for example, uh, Fort Independence in the California book, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, completely overgrown. Like we're stepping over trees and, and branches and it, weeds and we couldn't even find it for it's a while. wild. Yeah, it's yeah. not like a wild story in there. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was crazy. It was, it was crazy. Sometimes there's some light trespassing that happens. <laughs> but we're pirates and <laughs> Aussies, so it's, it's okay. We're fine with that. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and that one... The graves were all, you know, because they're mostly marble. So we could yeah. read everything and see everything. But it did have that. I mean, it was so authentically uncared yeah. for. 
had been ignored for however many years. Um, so that, I mean, that probably is, is the ideal is it's still wild, right? It's not theatrical like tombstone, but I can still read all of the gravestones. So that makes sense. Yeah, no, 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 that's, that's fair because yeah, that one for Ford independence, I, I loved hearing that because it's, it's one of those where it's an adventure to find. And so there's more to it, right? I mean, there's a, you know, it's, it plays hard to get and therefore it's more satisfying once you do get it, you know? And, (laughs) and that one seemed, yeah, that one's, I I actually love, here's what I love about your, about this book in particular is that it, you kind of encapsulate the road trip part Mm -hmm. and that is really the spirit of the books, right? Like, is because there's it's light history. Let's be honest; it's only a couple mm-hmm. pages of history. It's kind of the fun. You kind of hit the highlights. Mm-hmm. But what I like is that you tell the roads that you're on, mm-hmm. where you're going, and you can retrace your steps in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And mm-hmm. I think that's the fun part because actually, this one, uh, this one, I may go and do because it's pretty close. It's mm-hmm. on like the backside of Yosemite. It's a place mm-hmm. I've never really been. I, so I really like that aspect. Was that? Um, was that on purpose? Were you trying to capture the road trip element or were you really just looking to string together some graveyards? No, I think I think in, in all in all four of the books, there's there's always that element of the road trip because it is a road mm-hmm. trip. I mean, that that mm-hmm. is what we're doing. And then what I try to do afterwards is put it together. So it does feel like you go from one place to another. So I do try and follow a route. And that's, again, that's probably my linear personality. It's just, I want, <laughs> I want there to be yeah. a connection between everything. Sure, sure. But yeah. it's also, it's so much fun. Like it's, mm-hmm. it is really, we genuinely have a good time. And then the books are a bonus right, that we get to share that good time with other people. So yeah, it is, it is intentional. Um, I like capturing the feelings of the adventure of the road trip. Um, yeah. and also, you know, telling these folks the stories because otherwise maybe they'll just be forgotten. Nobody wants that. No, that's, that's right. And that's, what's so interesting about these graveyards is in a lot of ways, they're completely forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is the wild West is a uniquely American phenomenon. Yeah. And, you know, especially in California, which is the, the latest book is what, what it's, it's the wild graves of the wild West, California. I think yeah. I got that title, right? You did. And, <laughs> Uh, you know, the California gold rush in 1948, it's how we have the 49ers, you know, mm-hmm. um, but these mines, these gold strikes created all of these boom towns. And so you had no one. And then over the course of five years, you had thousands of people. And then you have either no one again, which that's the those are the craziest ones where there's literally you go and no one has been there for 60, 70 years. There's literally no living person there. And then there's somewhere, there's a hundred people that mm-hmm. are kind of there. Mm-hmm. So, th- but this I think is unique to Arizona, some New Mexico, California, Nevada. And so that's what makes these really fun is you're going to places that human beings haven't really stepped on for mm-hmm. decades. I mean, outside of people like us, really. Right. right? And so that, what's that feeling like when you walk into one of these places and know that the history, A, the history that's there, and B, that there's no one that's been here for, you know, decades. And I, I think it's, I think it's amazing um, I, because I love that because I love history and I love discovery and research and, and all of those other very nerdy things. So yeah. I, I think it's, it's amazing. And there have been so many of those graveyards where no, clearly no one has been there, right? And they're yeah. falling down and they're, I mean, just getting to them, you have to have an off-road vehicle. So right. shout out to the 
Subaru Outback that Sue has. <laughs> <laughs> uh, otherwise, people can't get to them. And, and that's yeah. honestly, um, I think one of the reasons I also love the book is, or love writing the books and sharing the books, is because so many people won't ever go to these places, right? Mm. Um, there was one in uh, the, I think, it's, yeah, the Arizona book where my friend had to take me in her um, ATV, basically, right? In her, yeah. you know modified dune buggy basically to get up into the Bradshaw mountains to find, I think it's Isaac Bradshaw, you know, no, who else is wow. going to do that? Right. Because yeah. you have to get in an ATV drive for miles, find yeah. the grave. Right. Yeah. And then get, get back out. And so a lot of people won't do that. And I want, I want people to be able to see and have those experiences that I've been so lucky to have. And yeah. that's, it is always an amazing experience for me to have it. And that's why I like sharing it. Well, it's great. I mean, there's one in Arizona because I was doing some because Susan has her own website. I think it's Spirits of the Abandoned. And there's a place I think it's I think it's Ruby. Yes. And when you so I pulled it up on a map and I don't I'm really good with maps. I understand how they all work. I could not tell you how to get there. No. Right. Like you can do a direction and it'll t take you around. And I was like, OK, <laughs> that kind of makes sense. But the roads are so small and so. Uh, it, I don't know if they're in disrepair, but they're definitely not used very often. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. I mean, finding those places, first of all, even knowing that they exist, but also getting there, that is the adventure. So that's the first question. Um, how do you find some of these, I mean, far out of the way is not really how I put them. I mean, these are like El Dorado, the city of El Dorado. I mean, these are like in the, you know what I mean? Like in the, how do you find them? I mean, how do you even know they exist? Um, a lot of them, it, it was Sue, right? That, that because of her obsessions, probably too strong of a word, but her fascination. No, that's right. No, it's right. Okay. Obsessions, okay. right? Yeah. Obsessions. You guys are nuts. We're all nuts. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Her fascination with with abandoned places. I don't know yeah. if that you just put that out into the universe and it comes back and she's able to find them <laughs> and able to navigate dirt roads yeah. that I I'm not even sure sometimes are roads. <laughs> but yeah. there are at this point there are ways um atlas obscura is is one mm -hmm. of my favorites like i found a bunch yeah, of places great. on there find a grave is very helpful mm -hmm. um for background information but also gps coordinates yeah. uh, there's one in oh, it was either nevada or new mexico called bonnie claire and there were two graves there two graves we walked around for 45 minutes trying to find these two graves in the middle of the desert <laughs> Wow, so, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was it was it was pretty crazy. That was the graveyard was two graves, just so I understand it was, this too. It was two graves, yeah. It was just wow. two graves. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, and I think they were both women. It, it was two women and they they were across on the other side it was so we're on the highway, not a freeway, yeah. it was a highway. And so on one side we knew these two graves were there and on the other side mm -hmm. was an abandoned mine. And so they were clearly had okay. been part of that town, but where was everybody else? Like, why were there only these two people? And, right. and that, that will remain a mystery. But, but yeah, finding it was, we were on GPS coordinates, we were on you know, multiple websites, and what it took was just walking around in circles until we finally, like, oh, here they are, kind of a thing. So that's like a grid pattern, like, a, like you're searching for like a missing person, like you're yeah. doing like a whole, yeah. Yes. Wow. And that's, Places like Ruby um, are definitely like that. Um, there's in the California book. There's one called Garlic. Garlic started calling it Garlic. It's Garlock, Garlock mm -hmm. Goler, and yeah. that was yeah, again off a dirt road, off a dirt road through like a sandy dune 
oh, and here it is next to the road, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. So, yeah. Well, it the other thing that's kind of interesting is the the history of them, right? Like you mentioned, you see two graves, two and there are two women next to an abandoned mine, right? Mm-hmm. Like what happened? And I imagine like that's kind of what else is kind of cool about the Wild West is that there's so much sh- there's so many shenanigans that people got up to that you're not really going to know the true story. And people could get away with a lot. I mean, you know, you can today, uh, you know, 130 years later, go out in the desert and shoot someone and probably not get caught mm-hmm. um, if you do things properly. But you you might. You still might. But back then, you could <laughs> shot people all the time. And all then the they time. get buried. Yeah. And does the town have a lawman? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe the lawman is the guy who shot the person in the first place. So yeah. it was very strange. And forensics wasn't where it needed to be. So no. uh, <laughs> lots of people in these graveyards were, are there. Yeah. And you don't know if the tombstone's telling you the right story. You can maybe go back to, I mean, did you use historical records? I'm guessing you used um, like old newspapers if you can mm-hmm. find them, mm-hmm. you know. So how did you, like the history part, how did you like dive into that? Um, thank goodness for the internet, honestly, um, because all of those those records, all of those archives, all of those newspaper articles are now, yeah. I, I don't have to go to, you know, the Tombstone Historical Society and, and sit down and physically look at those, all of the that history, newspapers and things like that. Lazy! Don't you want to go there and, like, look at microfiche and, like, you know, thumb through with cotton gloves through old newspapers? Don't you want to do that? I do love, I love, yes, I would love to do that. Um, But also, you know, having a full-time job and where I live and everything else, it makes it a little more challenging to do that. So I take advantage of my resources, right? And All right, uh, that makes sense. Use the internet. (laughs) And there's a lot on there. You know, I mean, even like Tombstone, you know, you could go there and they've got the Tombstone Epitaph, I believe it's called. Uh, They, you know, they still exist and you can find old archived, you know, um, news report, newspapers. Uh, So, I mean, that's fun. I mean, especially with a lot of the stuff, it was all newspapers, all analog, right? I mean, you just, all you have is, the piece of paper that it was on because the machines that they printed it, you change those every, you typeset them every day, right? So you have to, it's a very, um, you know, it's it's ephemeral in some ways because if you don't hang on to those pieces of paper, which are going to disintegrate, that history could be gone forever. Did you run into that where like you were looking for something and it was like, oh, we have, you know, October, we have October 20th and October 23rd, but we don't have any of the two middle ones. And that's when the person got shot, you know, anything yes, like that? I, that, that? Yes, that does happen uh, all the time. And mm-hmm. part of, and part of what I do is because you can't just accept the first story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, here's right. what this said. And then the herbs were heroes, or aren't they so great? Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. well, maybe it was the lawmen who shot the people. Well, yeah, if you ask the Clantons what happened, right. it's a different story. And mm-hmm. so I always try to find multiple sources, right? And that, you know, I'm a teacher, so I, I teach that anyway. You, you can't sure. just trust one newspaper from 130 years ago to have the entire story. So I will always go and look for multiple stories. And if I can't verify it, then I, I won't put it, I won't actually put it in the book, right? Mm. Because then it's, it's almost hearsay, right? Because right. journalists, although I'm sure we have a lot to say about journalists in general, um, mm. 
but they were probably the same then as they are now. And that is, you can exaggerate the truth. You can choose your truth. You can, mm-hmm. how you approach it. So I always just look for multiple sources to, before I go making historical declarations, basically. I mean, that makes sense. I, you know, it's interesting because nothing changes, right? So you have, I mean, yeah. So journalists, it's not like journalists, you always want to have a high level of integrity when you're a journalist, but it doesn't always happen. I mean, what's interesting is that when you look at social media, now everyone thinks they're a journalist and there's a million different outlets because everyone can self-publish. You yeah. couldn't self-publish a newspaper in the you know 1880s because mm-hmm. it's expensive to have a big printing press, a machine, you got to put all the, you know, the typeset it and come up and mm-hmm. write, you know, there's a lot going on there. So you couldn't do that. But in towns where there were multiple newspapers, yeah. you see the same thing where you have, oh, this is this slanted newspaper. This is the slanted newspaper or a mm-hmm. Hearst paper, which is just, you know, sensationalized yeah. news stories to sell <laughs> newspapers. Right. Yeah. Whether it's getting clicks or clickbaiting or selling a newspaper, it's the mm-hmm. same stuff. You know, it's just Absolutely. at a different scale. So, you know, people forget that context that yes. you need to, to give them. Right. Yes. Yes. It's important. And I think the uh, books so, do that too, though, right? I mean, I just yeah. think they demonstrate what you, you just said, which is people really don't change. Things mm-hmm. don't change as dramatically as sometimes people think they do. And so yeah. the books show you, like, these are people just like we're people. And these mm-hmm. were the towns that had the same problems that we have. And mm-hmm. And on and on we go. <laughs> yeah. People walked into, uh, you know, their general store with six shooters. And in Arizona, the same thing happened. Nothing changes. Nothing's changed in 140 years. Uh, so, you know, but, but the thing I love about these ghost stories or ghost towns is I remember, you know, there's one memory that I have that's like burned into my brain. And I was in Nevada. And I'll be honest, I can't tell you all the circumstances that led me to this place. Okay. But I remember being, a, I believe, at a national park. And I was talking to somebody and they gave like basically like a hot tip about this ghost town that um, people that no one, there's like two or three people who own the whole town. Everything's intact, but no one lives there. Uh I forget where it was, but I went. I mean, this is a place where they have, you know, like the, in the brothel, they still have mattresses, right? So, I mean, this is like how intact, it was just amazing to see and you could walk through and it was just so cool to kind of like float through that town. Yeah. I don't know where, I couldn't go back to it. I don't know, like, I have no idea where it is. I couldn't tell you where it is. I'll never have that experience again. But, but you know what I mean? But like, that's one of those things where that sticks with me. Mm-hmm. And those are the types of experiences I want to get, you know, reading your book and going on these types of trips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you captured it, right? I mean, in, in a lot of ways. I, I mean, I certainly try to because I, I, I have very similar experiences is, mm-hmm. you know, what feeling do I have when I first walk on to this place? And I try to make a mental note like. You know, it, it, like Tombstone, the first time I ever went to Tombstone and went to Boot Hill and it was just like, mm. well, this is this is really it. And yeah. um, and, and a few others, that, Fort Sumner and Fort Sumner is mm. very, where Billy the Kid is very, is very different than mm. Tombstone. Like it's still a touristy town, but they have not yeah. done the things that Tombstone has done. So it's a very it was a very different experience. Um, but yeah, I think I, if I, Walt Disney was re, if Walt Disney was rebuilding a wild west town. It would look like Tombstone. Yes. Yeah. And then the reality uh, is Fort Sumner. <laughs> that so that's that's good to note, right? Cuz that was the thing that was kind of disappointing about Tombstone is it is really touristy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you like I couldn't walk into the OK Corral without handing over $10. Mm-hmm. And even at that point I couldn't cuz I had a dog. Right. Right. So like that's where they are there and it's just a piece of land. Yeah. No and I went on a Wednesday. No one's there. 
right? But like right. those level of rules only exist in a place that is solely there to make money, which was super yeah. disappointing. Yeah. But I've been to other places, you know, like you mentioned Bodhi in uh, in, in your book, it's one of the first places in California. I've been to Bodhi. Actually, mm-hmm. one of the first times I took pictures of a cemetery, I was with, <gasps> with my friend and you know, I was, this is how, this is the level of commitment that I bring to my photography is I was taking pictures, beautiful pictures of of tombstones while the sun's going down. Now there's a lot of fire ants there. Now some had crawled up her leg and she was writhing on the ground in pain and just, you know, yelling and screaming. And I was able to completely tune her out while maintaining (laughs) the pictures I was taking. Now, I don't now. I think that that's the level of commitment you have to have if you're going to take great pictures. You know, yeah. I still hear about that to this day, but I don't regret a moment uh, of of what I did. Um, so you know, but that was at Bodie, and yes. that's that's tells you like just the beauty of these types of places. Yes, yes, absolutely. I love I love Bodie because it's it's also not touristy. It's right. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to get souvenirs from Bodie, you have to go outside of Bodie to get those souvenirs. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. and. And it's just, it's so intact. They've taken such good care of it. And I remember what I learned from one of the tour guides there, or not tour guides, one of the park rangers, they're not tour guides, they're park rangers, was mm. when they do refurbish the buildings, they're using old, like the buildings that have fallen down, they're using the wood from those buildings to refurbish the buildings. So it's right. all, yeah, so it's, it is really all original, other than yeah. making sure they're safe if people are going to go in them. But yeah. And that, I think that really, that really means a lot to me because it's still very legitimate, right? In the cemetery too, it's, it's very legitimate. And yes, there's that contrast to tombstone, which is, I think you used the perfect word earlier, which is theatrical. It's very yeah, theatrical. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And Bodie's great. I mean, cause it was bought by the California park system, but yes. they do, it is, it's re, it's, it's like refurbished. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a bad word too, but it's maintained in mm-hmm. the way that you're saying where it, it still feels it feels more like you walked onto, you know, that you walked into the Wild West. Yes. More Absolutely. than, hey, here's here's what here's, uh, you know, pay us ten dollars and you can see the OK Corral. You know, like right. the carnival <laughs> runs it. it yeah. That's what I love about Bodie. It, it's great. Same. Now, with the history of it, this was kind of interesting to me. And I think a lot of this happens in the Wild West. because a lot of these towns are named after people. And this yeah. one was named after a man named Bodie, B-O-D-E. EY because yes. he he found gold. Now he died a few months after arriving in town. Mm-hmm. He didn't even see the heyday of the town. Nope. And yet the town's named after him, sort of the livery owner. And for those yeah. of you who weren't born in the 1800s, a livery is where they put head horses, where you could basically your carport yes. <laughs> for the Wild West. Uh, he named it Bodie B O D I E. This is interesting because the man who founded the town is still memorialized by having it named after him, but it's misspelled and he never lived to see the town. Mm-mm. Those type, I mean, that's such a weird juxtaposition of story. And yet that's what happens in a lot of these towns. Yes. Yes. Quite a few of the towns. And mm-hmm. for, for Bodie, at least, it was because the, the guy who made the sign liked it better. He said it looked better. As, as B-O-D-I. That was, yeah. there wasn't any sort of like philosophical reason or, you know, I didn't get along with, with the original boat. No, he's like, yeah. no, I think this actually looks better. Aesthetics. That's it. Yeah. It was completely <laughs> a creative aesthetic. decision. Yeah. And, and so many of the towns 
which will be, which are named for people or named for things or, or whatever they are. It's mm-hmm. like, well, we, we stumbled across this. We liked it for a little while. And then this other person came in and they, you know, they helped us. And so we changed it. Or then the railroad came in and we didn't want to have a stupid name for the railroad. So we changed it so yeah, we'd have a good right. name. And and that is always fascinating to, to learn about is how some of these places, which have very strange names like Garlot Golder or Parump or... Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Perump. That's our bell, man. He lived in Perump, Nevada. Perump, yeah. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. just, um, it, it's fun to find out how they how they were named, how they yeah. came to the same. Well, and Bodie, you know, he's not even buried in the cemetery. No. no Isn't he like in the hills? hills? <laughs> he's up in the hills, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, I forgot this story. So in 1881, they were going to construct a monument to him, but President Garfield was shot. And they were like, in the same year that they were going to put the memorial up. And then they dedicated the memorial to President Garfield. So if you go to the town, the (laughs) President Garfield memorial is actually supposed to be for Bodie. And then they never gave him another one. What's, I mean, the disrespect here. I know, I know. Um, He does have a very nice, tribute to him um, because mm-hmm. the it's e, e. Clampus Vitus. If you start going to old timey cemeteries, E. Clampus Vitus, everything is, you know, this was dedicated by this, et cetera, et cetera. So they put up a very nice memorial for him, but it's certainly not this giant obelisk. Are those words were, you're saying? E. Clampus Vitus? Is that what e. it's E. Clampus Vitus. Yes. Okay. It's, it's Latin. And I'm not. Oh, pardon. Exactly. Oh, excuse. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I mean, you sure not your PhD yet? <laughs> oh, la di da. All right. What yeah, I know. Mean? So la di da. I know Vitus is life. I don't know what E. Clampus <laughs> is exactly. But I see the name over and over and over. And okay. they resurrect a lot of the memorials, or they'll they put a lot of invest a lot of money, whatever group mm. they are. They invest a lot of money into the graveyards to. Um, to, to maintain them, to give credit to Bodhi, who obviously, yes, lost out on things. Yeah. Um, but they, I see their name on, on quite a few things throughout the Wild West cemeteries. So they do they do great work. They do great work. So this is a group then, the e- Edward Clampus Vitus. Yes, yes, Edward Clampus Vitus. And yeah. yes, yeah, they're. Oh, <laughs> I never heard of that before. So that's. Uh... Either. They just, I see their names on lots and lots of stones. <laughs> wow. And they, I mean, that's kind of cool, but that. That's one of these things that you kind of only when you start looking at these cemeteries can you see all of those trends. Like that's that's like yes. in super inside baseball here, you know. Yes. I mean, knowing that they're the ones who put all those up. Uh, another thing that's kind of cool to me is how does the cemetery start, right? I mean, obviously when someone dies, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, the first person to die, thus necessitating a place to put them, is how all of these cemeteries start and where to put them. I mean, because no one puts them in the center of town. They're, you, you know, they're all outside of town, you know, yes. uh, like the um, the Rand district. You have the whole thing where it's like Johannesburg, California, Randsburg and the Red Mountain. This one of the towns there was established when a guy was shot over a gambling dispute. So he gets killed at a bar, you know, by the lawman or by a criminal in 1896. And. You know, that's when you start the cemetery there. It was interesting to me that there was never really a forethought that like, hey, if if people well, eventually, if someone's going to die, where do we put them? It always seemed like, oh, crap, we have this body. Where where are we going to put it? (laughs) And who's going to pay for it? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And and many of the graveyards will have the the paupers area because if there's nobody to pay for it, well, you still have to put the body someplace. Um, Yeah. But yeah, for most of them, when I have the established date, that usually means, okay, yeah, here's the first person who died. Let's let's find a spot for them. 
as far enough out of town that it's not going to ruin our image or <laughs> right. uh, contaminate our water or, or whatever. Um, well, and then you have like, you know, you have cemeteries you know, or at least graves where people paid for them. And then you have like the boot hills, which I think are kind of like pauper graves or people who died in violently or they mm -hmm. aren't that don't go anywhere else. Right. Yeah. I mean, like the boot hill, I think I think it comes. I mean, because there's always that saying, like, you don't want to die with your boots on. And so I right. think that that comes from people who are in bars and get shot or the, the you know, the uh, the scum and villainy of, of the yeah. particular town. Right. Is that kind of where the boot is that Susan Boot Hill? Yes. And I also I think um, and I could just be making this up because it sounds cool. But I also think mm -hmm. that they would maybe for markers, they would use people's boots like just to mark the spot where they were buried until maybe oh. they came back with the actual because the boot hill, a boot hill marker is that wooden, you know, yeah, the yeah. wooden one. And yeah. um, so I, I, I think maybe they would put the boots there and then come back with the actual actual marker. Now, how how much of that story is is that like eighty percent BS or is that like nine or twenty percent? Like you kind of um, know. I it? would probably, I probably go with like seventy five percent BS. Okay, all right, that's a lot. <laughs> I know, that's a lot it from is, a historian. Quite, I'm <laughs> 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 well, you know, so one of the things I want to talk about is before we move away from the cemetery, you talk about this kind of um, this cool guy named Francis Marion Shady Merrick. Speaking of pirate, yes. uh, so he's buried there. So tell me about his story. Um, and I'm going to, if you miss anything, I'm going to hit the highlights here, but he is, this is pretty interesting. Yes. Yes. Um, so he, and that's in, on the California book and he was, he's the rock, the rock hound. Was he the rock hound? Yeah. He popularized rock hounding. Uh, and right. I believe you, out, you know, you, you kind of out Susan, your, your writing partner as I also do. being a rock hound. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Is that, is that like an amateur geologist? No, not really. It's it's just people who love looking hunting. I don't know how you. I mean, hunting rocks seems a very silly thing to say, but who loves it's a lot easier it, than hunting an animal. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They're not nearly as fast. No, uh, but and they're and people they have do have pet own. rocks. You have pet rocks too, that's right? True. That's yeah. true. Um, <laughs> they're just people who get together and they go to certain places where they know mm. these rocks are going to be and they mm. just go and pick them up and take them home and do whatever they do with the rocks at home. And so the fact that this, that yeah, that, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's the guy that, that popularized that term, yeah. you know, I guess is the first dude who just walked out into the desert and was like, well, this is cool. And then took and it home and it. did whatever he did with it. And then what did whatever, <laughs> whatever they do. Um, okay, so this is the guy. This is Shady, uh, Shady. Not Slim Shady. This is Francis Marion Shady Merrick is the mm -hmm. guy, the rock hound. Uh, yes. But he did more than that, for sure. So he got um, he got his nickname because he found sil a silver vein under a shady tree, uh, which I, th I don't know about. Th I mean, uh, Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe that sounds apocryphal, um, but he he came from Colorado and Utah to uh, two boroughs, Jack and Old Bluey. He was always in Death Valley looking for diamonds. Yeah. And he discovered a new a new mineral uh, that's named Merkrite. I, I don't know. Um, did those guys want credit for this as well? Did they help you research this? Those little guys in the background? Are they uh, are they looking so for sorry. diamonds, too? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this, you know, he died in Colorado and this was interesting to me, but he ends up in Johannesburg at this, at this cemetery. So is that because 
did, did they transport his body to the small cemetery? Or like, how does that, why does he end up here instead of Colorado? So what usually happens is, yes, if, if people either have family in, in the original town, like that's where they live, that's where they were born, that's where mm. um, maybe spouses or children, et cetera, live, then yes, they will, they'll transport the body back, per, usually per the person's request. Uh, and But there's so many cemeteries where I, I would look at where the people were from, like, how mm. did you end up here? Because, yeah, Johannesburg, the whole Rand district, I mean, it is... There, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And how, yeah, how does, how do these folks end up here? And, and he's definitely one of those. He probably either it was the place he loved. And so he said, mm -hmm. Hey, when I die, I want to go back here. Um, or he had family there. But it's a, it's a hassle. I don't yes. think because people today don't understand that even with today's modern inventions like the automobile or the Subaru Outback. And I'm guessing, you know, <laughs> yeah. your friend, the Aussie, I don't know if it's the Outback, if that's why she picked it up or if it's it actually a good car. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you need those things to get to these places. If you want to take a body from Colorado to Johannesburg, you have to stick it in a wagon. You have to get horses to pull it. It's an ordeal and it's not cheap. So no. it's just amazing when, when that happens, when, when you don't get buried in the most convenient spot, there's always a very good reason for it back then. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm guessing, I, I'm guessing Shady was probably from that town since it was a mining town. Um, Death yeah. Valley is not that far away. Um, there, there have never been diamonds found in Death Valley in case anybody's like packing their bags to run out to Death Valley. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not there. Yeah. <laughs> um, that we know of. That we know. Well, that's true. I mean, maybe Shady. Maybe they Shady. just haven't found him yet. So <laughs> don't. Oh. So pack those bags. Let's get out pack to Death Valley in the middle of the summer. Let's get out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do love that you you brought up the kind of the apocrypha of, of how he found the vein. Um, mm -hmm. There's a city here in, or a t it's not a city, a town in mm -hmm. Arizona called Vulture City. And it's called Vulture City because apparently the person who found this gold vein or silver vein, there was a vulture like sitting on top of it. And so he walked over to where the vulture was and yeah. and hence it was named Vulture City. Yeah. Yeah. These, you know, I, there aren't enough, um, you know, uh, journalistic, uh, journalistically vetted versions of these stories to really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> little, yeah, this definitely falls into hearsay. Uh, so you mentioned garlic goyer. Or Garlock, yes. not Garlock. Gar I, I, I see how it happens. <laughs> Which is terrible, but yes. <laughs> now, this one was really in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and I really like this story. So I did a whole episode on the Donner Party. And I always found it interesting when you have these wagon trains that get lost or think they can outsmart the weather or outsmart the terrain. And this happened here in uh, in 1849. I mean, real 49ers. Uh, so tell me about tell me about the story. So Garlic Guller was was interesting because, yes, the, the finding it, the driving through the sand dunes into the desert to find it was um an adventure, as, mm -hmm. as so many of them are. Um, what's interesting, too, though, about that particular cemetery is most of the graves there, I think, are actually cenotaphs rather than the actual folks who are buried there. And that actually happens quite a bit, too. Um, even even what's Bodhi. Word, what's that word that you used? Did you oh, say cenotaph? cenotaph. <laughs> yeah. Another fancy word. A yeah, holy cow. 
I, well, these are things, these are words that I've learned by writing these books, honestly. Yeah, what is it? It's a marker. It's just a marker that okay. acknowledges the person, but the person is not buried there. But we know okay. where the person is buried. And so they're, they're, yeah, they're someplace else. But like, okay. so Bodie, right? William Bodie mm -hmm. is buried up the hill, but he has mm -hmm. two marble markers in the cemetery of Bodie. Those are technically cenotaphs. Yeah, cenotaphs. Yeah. Xenotaphs. yeah. yeah. Um, so garlic, garlic, garlock, garlock, so terrible, <laughs> garlock, goler, um, yeah. uh, is, is similar. And honestly, I think, I mean, you, you, it's arguable that the, in Fort Sumner, Billy, the kid, and it, that's also seen a tough note, maybe Billy, the kid's still alive. Right. Right. Uh, so a lot of wild West towns will have the acknowledgement of who was there. Right. So like the original miners, the pioneers, the outlaws, et cetera. But Oftentimes they they they're buried someplace else, and that that was one of the things that I remembered about Garlock Goler is there weren't necessarily a lot of people there, but there was yeah. there was the acknowledgement that there were people there. Well, two things. So you've said in air quotes multiple times that maybe <laughs> Billy the Kid is still alive. There, there's no way. <laughs> I mean, I would believe Elvis is alive before I'd believe that Billy the Kid is 200 years old living oh, in... Oh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Meaning he wasn't killed by Pat Garrett. That's, that's what I mean. And oh, no, okay. Unless he's hanging out with Elvis, which would be pretty amazing. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> no, just in that, that he wasn't actually killed by Pat Garrett in Fort Got Sumner. it. Okay, okay. So, th well, I do read, also read a lot of Weird West stories, which are, you know, zombies take in the Wild West uh, is not uncommon. So, okay, so that's what you mean by that. Okay. Uh, yes. Number two, so this, I want to talk about this 49ers thing. Yes, yes, um, yes. Because when they, when they, the wagon train, this is what's so interesting, and this was true of the Donner Party, is you had to leave at a certain time. Because if you left too late in the season, it would take you too long to get to a place you get caught in the winter dead. And this kind of happened. So this group that was going to, uh, Garlock, mm -hmm. they didn't want to get caught in a storm, so they took a shortcut through Death Valley. Mm -hmm. And I think in in the way it worked out is this is how they discovered gold. In is that how this? How did that? How did that train story end? The wagon. Train? Um, well, I mean, I think taking a shortcut through Death Valley is never a good idea, and mm -hmm. there's a reason that it's called Death Valley because a right. lot of people who took that the, that shortcut didn't make it. Um, so with the, the way the, this particular cemetery is named, right? Mm -hmm. So it's named after one of those 49ers, right? The, the lost, the lost 49, I'm using air quotes that, that no one can see. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's a video version of this, but if you are listening to this, there are, the they, air quotes are abound here. They are, yes. I'll call them out. Yep. Yes, they do. Um, so just that, and I, I think, again, this is probably a lot of this is, is legend combined with reality, right? So the, yeah. the idea of the lost 49ers who, you know, tried to, to find all of these things in Death Valley is honestly not known for the, the mining and all of it. Yes, there were a few mining towns or maybe one or two mining towns at most in Death Valley, but most of them were found outside of, of Death Valley. So again, sadly, no diamonds, probably not very much gold inside Death Valley. And so for these lost 49ers to travel through that, get lost, you know, obviously eventually at least some of them got out because we have the story. Um, yeah, right. But, but the, the gold and things that were found were found in was it Gar Garlic Gulch and Goler Gulch, not mm -hmm. in Death Valley. So they were all outside of Death Valley. So 
all Death Valley has going for it is is people dying and passing through it, trying to get someplace else, which is right. sad for Death Valley's reputation. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, but that that is the reputation that it has. I mean, it's you know hot, one of the hottest places on earth. Uh, and in this and in and in Garlock Gulch, I mean, so is it John Goler? Did he is he the one who found the nuggets, brought him to L.A. And then left a gun on the side of his discovery and a map, and yes. then he could never find it. He so that's the find it again. <laughs> yes. yeah. So, and that so that became like a legend, the legend of the yes. lost gunsite mine or Goler's lost gold. Yes. That's pretty amazing. I mean, just putting a gun on top of it is not the best marker out in out there. But it was strange that even with a map, he couldn't refind it, and that no one found it. Mm-hmm. And right? that. That no, 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 no one found it, and I think that's that's actually a pretty common story. Uh, we in Arizona, the Superstition Mountains, right? We have the Lost Dutchman mine, which right. probably never existed ever to begin with, right. and then nobody's ever found. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to disillusion anyone, but there's, <laughs> there's no gold in them our hills either. Just like there's, it wasn't there. Um, but it becomes like you said too. It becomes legend. And, and where would we be without our legends? Where would we be without El Dorado, right? Hoping, hoping mm-hmm. for that and always searching for that. And, and I think that's probably as important as when they found the gold, right? Because why did the 49ers yeah. all go across the country anyway, right? It was for right. this dream. And yes, you hope to become rich, but sometimes it didn't work out that way. So those legends are pretty, I think, are pretty common and a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, California, you know, whether it's the gold in them, thar hills mm-hmm. or the gold in the tech industry in Silicon Valley or the mm-hmm. gold to be found in Los Angeles, California, mm-hmm. the state of California is known for people seeking their dreams and trying yeah. to strike it rich. Yeah. And that idea is really woven into all of the stories, no matter where you find them you know, throughout the history of California. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's so it's really interesting. Uh, so in closing here, what was your favorite cemetery to find, to to re- research? Was it the Guller Gulch, which I think is the hardest cemetery to find, at least by your estimations? I mean, it is Ooh. truly lost, it despite the truly. fact that I think someone is like 2017 was buried there, which is crazy to me. Um, so was <laughs> it that one? Was it another one? What was your favorite? So in, in California or just in, in general so far? Let's go. Well, you know, we're trying to sling some paper here. But if you don't want to do in California, wherever. What's your favorite? Um, so actually, one of my favorites is in, which one is it? Is it New? Yeah, it's actually New Mexico. And it's not Fort Sumner, although seeing Fort Sumner and seeing Billy the Kid was amazing. But it's actually. Um, a you saw Billy the Kid, so he is alive. Well, yeah. So he, so there's no air quotes. You know, you know more than you're letting on. That's why you use an air quote. You, Billy, you met him. Yes, and then, then aliens, right? Are gonna <laughs> right. You did take a picture in front of Area 51, which I didn't ask you how you did that. You guys are laughing and you're not being shot at, so I don't quite understand that picture. Uh, <laughs> that was, but, uh, yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty fun. That's the Rachel Gate, so you can actually you can drive up to it and take pictures and not get shot. I'm sure there were people watching us and laughing at us which is why yeah. we were laughing, but sure. yeah, we did manage not to okay. get shot there. <laughs> okay, so aliens, so we got aliens, we got Billy the Kid, we got Area 51. Uh, exactly. Those are all tied into your favorite place or a totally different place? That um, totally different place. It's called Lordsburg, okay. and it's okay. the Shakespeare Cemetery. So, of course, anything called Shakespeare, I mean, I was, mm-hmm. I'm a teacher, so I uh, mm-hmm. got to always love the bard. But it, it's similar to a town like Ruby. It's not as hard to find, um, mm-hmm. which is nice, but it's, 
it's owned by one person, right? And there's like wow. a caretaker who take who takes care of the land, and wow. and that one was really interesting. There were some Pony Express folks who were buried there, which you know, again, that direct connection. Billy the Kid supposedly worked in the hotel there, so mm-hmm. I loved that connection. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say Shakespeare Cemetery. He was your bellhop, I guess. He was your. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> that's that's probably one of my absolute huh. absolute favorites. Yeah. And yeah. why do you, do you like it because it's so interesting or just hard to find or what, what's the reason you like it so much? I think it actually wasn't hard to find, which is nice. It's just you like yeah. got off the freeway and turn left, turn right. And it's all, it was off a dirt road. So once again, we're happy, we were happy to have the outback. Um, yeah. But I think it, it was just, it was really, it's unique because when a town is owned by an individual, I yeah. find that, I find that fascinating. And, and the people who, like the original settlers of Lordsburg, you know, are all buried there as well. And yeah. that, that just to me is fascinating. And when you can talk to the person who owns it and you know, he's like, yeah. you know, giving you a tour. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just interesting for people to own a town. Um, plus it's, just, <laughs> well, it's, it's called Shakespeare. Well, it's got, it's got everything. I mean, it has, yes. you know, it has all the people who founded it are still there. One guy owns it and it's kind of like an all encapsulated history just you know right there you know yes. i mean everyone's kind of president accounted for yes um, except the body of billy the kid except, uh, so, right. <laughs> so that's that's in new mexico but your book you know mm-hmm. the most recent is the graveyards of the wild west california, california edition uh so where can people find that and where can people find you Awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you so much. And we, I actually wanted to call it the graveyards of the wild west, central California, because we only, mm-hmm. because obviously like you said, California is a huge, huge state. Um, and yeah. so we just did that one, that one small part, but, um, you can find the book on in regular places, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, you can find it there. I always am going to recommend spirits of the abandoned because then you're buying directly from Sue and I, right? You're buying from the author and the photographer who made it, and uh, and we'll sign it for you if you buy it. Hey-oh. I know. <laughs> those are going to those autographs are going to be worth something someday. Yeah. Well, I hope so because I do have one right here yes. handy. Uh, How could you not have a handy book for those listening to this? Realize that I pulled out a book way before Heather did. uh, (laughs) There we go. All right, let's see that. Mine's autographed too. So you can get one of those and I'll put a link for that one. Um, Look at that. All four. So four out of seven complete your collection. Um, Three more to go. Do you know what they are? You know what they are, I'm guessing. Yeah. So Colorado, I'm actually writing Colorado right now. And then Mm. it will be Utah and Texas are the last will be the last two. Oh, that's going to be good. I mean, Texas will be a lot of fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. And And like California, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, Texas (laughs) is huge, too. So I'm going to have to narrow it down to where where I'm going to go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That one's very exciting. And what about so you guys do social media? Obviously, you have your Aussie and the pirates and all that. Yeah, so the Pirate and the Aussie is, is our social media, and we don't post as much as we would like to, simply because, again, we have full-time jobs, so we can't, we can't dedicate quite as much time uh, to the social media. But the Pirate and Aussie com takes you to our YouTube page and our black, um, Facebook and Instagram, and um, that's, yeah, that's a good way to get in touch with this also. 
And I'll make sure that I have links to all of that so people can find it and links to okay. buying your book on Spirits of the Abandoned. Uh, and of you. course, if you want to find all that, if you want to get those links, you can go to website for the show, which is fascinatingnouns.com. We are on social media as well. X, formerly Twitter, at Fascinating Noun, and on Facebook, at Fascinating Nouns. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, Heather. Um, this is, you know, I really enjoyed this book. I I have to say, I, I mean, it's right up my alley, so I'm not a hard sell on this. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to taking one of these road trips that you did and hopefully finding some of these graveyards, although some seem like a challenge. But uh, but I'm up for it. So I Good. hope to report back and post pictures of me doing the same adventure that you and the Aussie did. So uh, thank you for that inspiration. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And I'd love to see your your pictures and what you discover when you're there. Oh, you're going to like my pictures. You are certainly <laughs> going to like them. Uh, but don't show them to Susan. I don't want her to get jealous. Um, you know, these are Pulitzer Prize caliber. But hopefully I don't want to oversell it too much. Uh, but but thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you for, for writing this book. It's been so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This was really a blast. <laughs> you got it. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glencoe production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. And I'm guessing after listening to this, you never want to miss another episode. You're going to want to subscribe. We are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, and we even have links right there on our show website, which is fascinatingnouns.com. You can find all the links right there. And let's say you don't have a favorite podcasting platform. That's no problem. You can listen to every episode right there on the website, which is, once again, fascinatingnouns.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. It's a great way to learn more about the episodes that you're listening to, find out about upcoming episodes, and to just keep in touch with the community. It's right there on the website. And speaking of community, there's no better way to stay in touch than on social media. And you can find links to our shows, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube pages right there on the front page of FascinatingNouns.com. And speaking of YouTube, there's a video version of this episode there right now, uh, as well as other past episodes and all future episodes. It's going to be right there, youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. It's a great way to see all the guests and, uh, you know, check it out live and in person. Feel like you're there in studio. Great way to do it, youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And finally, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com and check out all of my projects and see what's going on. Once again, thank you for listening. End of transmission.